0: What can I say about Sean Sutherland? He's just a great guy. You're going to love him. He's got a nice, soothing voice. He's smart. He's an English professor. He's part of my uh, first circle of college friends from my freshman year, where I went to Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, Texas. And uh, I was only there for one year, but that group of friends were still friends. And... I don't want to say much more because this is the special Christmas edition of Who Are These People? Say something. Uh, Do you have the... Can you hear me? Yeah, and I'm rolling. Did you make sure that... Oh, okay. uh, Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. A lot of sci-fi ideas are becoming real. Yeah. It's like Barbarella's tongue box. Yellow, Yellow. It is therapeutic. The last generation to be raised without the internet. Yeah. The first generation to jump into the internet. What what does it mean? Like, did it really even happen? Hey, Sean, how are you? Yeah,
1: I'm good. Good. Is the audio any better?
0: Uh, it doesn't sound any better in my headphones, but I think the recording will be okay. So, okay. Yeah, we'll just go for it. At least it's clean, so I should be able to add some, uh, some amplification on it without it being too distorted later
1: okay fingers crossed
0: yeah fingers crossed <laughs> what's the worst the worst that can happen is we just have a conversation for ourselves
1: uh, no we get tricked into having a conversation yeah.
0: well that's the yeah. whole point of this this is my my artifice my artificial way to have uh friendships with people <laughs>
1: You just formalize it You turn it into a thing
0: Yeah, exactly
1: Yeah, smart
0: You know, we have to schedule things these days Surely nothing happens uh, naturally anymore
1: Spontaneity is so 20th century (laughs) Yeah,
0: forget about that (laughs) So thanks, John Nice to hear your voice
1: It's nice to be heard
0: And Merry Christmas Back at you
1: um, what's the weather like over there? Is it warm? Is it rainy?
0: Uh, it's always warm. Um, uh-huh. it's, uh, equatorial. We, right. we really only vary about 10 degrees up or, <laughs> up or down at any given time. Uh, I've uh-huh. been here long enough now that I think in, I can think in Celsius. So right. we're usually anywhere between like, uh, 24 and 34 degrees celsius and Uh if it ever reaches 34 it's going to rain uh it never gets above that and uh we've got like two we've got two seasons uh the rainy season and the not rainy season right but the rainy season comes twice a year so we're Uh we're actually in kind of the rainy season right now right and so it's very much like it's very much like a texas humid 80 degrees uh pretty much all the time
1: well that sounds nice but it sure doesn't sound very Christmassy.
0: not really it's not the same but uh (laughs) i did decide this is going to be the christmas uh edition of my podcast Uh and i try i'm trying something new here i'm going to try some sound effects i don't know if this is going to work or not let me see can you hear that all right do you hear it? No, I could. Okay, it must only nope. be in my my headphones. I've got some cheesy Christmas music coming in, so <laughs> I'll just stop it there since you can't hear it. It's not as fun, but uh, oh, sorry. That's all right. You know, I'm I'm still working out the kinks.
1: It might just be that I'm not physically capable of hearing Christmas music.
0: <laughs> well, I thought you're into I, it. <laughs> I saw because I see your Facebook uh, feed. I saw yeah. that you were working on Christmas music that doesn't suck, right?
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crowdsourcing it.
0: Yeah, and uh, you got lots of feedback on that?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, some of it, some of it does suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I was thinking about it last night, I was like, you know, that's the that's the price of uh, inclusiveness and democracy. You know, sometimes you want to make something that doesn't suck, but sometimes it sucks a little bit.
0: True, Yeah.
1: But that's also part of the
0: Christmas spirit. Exactly. You've got to put up with people that suck. That's
1: right. I heard this, uh, the, song, uh, the occasional song that sucks, mm-hmm. that's the price you pay yeah. for the
0: Christmas spirit. And you know, hopefully enough eggnog will take care of that. That's right. <laughs> In fact, I saw another quote of yours recently on Facebook. You said, Christmas is my favorite bourgeois fantasy.
1: That's right, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So tell me, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, so um, you know, Christmas as a cultural experience, it seems to be rooted in a lot of imagery and tropes, yeah. right? Correct. That involve a lot of yeah, that involve a lot of uh, gift giving. True, you know, yes. during during the Christmas season, you always see these uh, these car commercials on television, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, where somebody's somebody's you know, bought the car for for their wife or their
0: right, husband. Yeah. With a big bow and, on top.
1: With the giant impossible bow, yeah, right? You know, right. like I I I could be wrong. I have limited experiences in life, mm-hmm. but I have never ever seen that happen in real life. <laughs> right. Uh, you well, know any. Any nice neighborhood that I drive through in the Christmas season, because I want to go look at all their fancy decorations. You know, I've never seen, you know, the the Jeep Wrangler, or whatever, <laughs> right. the Lexus yeah. with the bow,
0: the Audi, yeah, yeah right. It right. Well, yeah. obviously, you don't drive through the right neighborhoods, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not.
1: Yeah, I need to, I need to recheck my uh,
0: Christmas lights itinerary. Yeah. But that is a good there. fantasy. But it's all fantasy, isn't it? It is. Should yeah. we go through should we go through all the uh, bullshit of Christmas? Yeah, let's do The twelve do that bullshits of Christmas? Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because it is.
0: It's like it's total Christmas. complete bullshit.
1: Right. I but I love it.
0: Yeah. Well it's nice. I mean it's it's been yeah. created to please people. Sure. But um and Okay, and you we, you we tell me not. I alright, first let me just get uh back up a little bit. So you currently are enjoying the status of a philosopher king, is that correct? Is that your set your position right now?
1: For 4 hours a day during <laughs> the week. Yes, you get
0: to be a philosopher king, right?
1: when, when I'm in my classroom, mm-hmm. I get I get to hold court. Yes, okay. That's right.
0: So, as philosopher king, tell me yeah. <laughs> what is your take on let's say yeah, American Christmas. Let's hear it.
1: All right, so, uh, Santa Claus, it all starts with Santa Claus.
0: Doesn't it? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, Christmas doesn't really start with Jesus.
0: Oh, no, it does not. It starts no, with then. the Romans, doesn't it? Or even pre-Roman.
1: Yeah, the Romans were were, they were celebrating Christmas before Jesus ever came along. Of course. They just called it, they called it something different,
0: right? Yep. I'm putting and, some um, cheesy Christmas music under this, just so you know. Nice. Oh, okay. that's great. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, so it was dedicated back then, it was dedicated to Saturn, which was like, you know, think of him as like the god of time or whatever. And uh, we still see remnants of that uh, a week later in New Year's. You know, you've got the old man and the long white robe the Mm -hmm. scythe and the baby, right? That's that's Saturn and baby Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Awesome. Yeah. So uh but Christmas as we know it I think probably I mean doesn't it it starts like in the late 1800s
0: The Victorians when, right well okay yeah, the, No for for you've got the Germanic you've got the Germanic right? uh winter all celebrations that stuff Yeah like yeah, all
1: that great pagany business
0: Yeah and the Christmas trees which are beautiful and Right certainly if you were living in Bavaria or something and it's freaking cold and it's there's no sunlight and you you've got some beautiful snow everywhere, but not much else. Yeah, uh-huh. chop that tree down, bring it inside, put some that's put true. some uh, candles on it, and you know you've you've right. made your home a little bit nicer to get right. through those dark winter days, right? Right. So the that's one thing. The yeah. Forest gods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the pixies or whatever out, that are out there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but then, but the, then th- those those. Oh. Germanic traditions became something else under the Victorian the English Victorians, right?
1: I guess so, yeah. I mean they just sort of it was just sort of uh cobbling together of all these different uh traditions uh to to create this um you know, compilation holiday. Mm-hmm. Christmas this big grab bag it's of a mashup.
0: It was a right, Victorian mashup.
1: That's why everybody loves it. Yeah, right. Because there's something in there for everybody. Yep. You got your Christmas trees. You got your, uh, you know, leaving the stuff out for the reindeer. Like, there's no reindeers in Germany.
0: No. Right? But, we, you know, we do that Yeah, anyway. how did the Laplanders – you know, I think that was back to that damn poem that you were talking about. That poem yeah. did a lot.
1: Right. So the poem
0: mm-hmm.
1: – uh, the guy writes the poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." Mm-hmm. Right? So he creates this whole sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because in the poem, he describes uh, uh, St. Nicholas as being this tiny little elf-like character.
0: Right. Because
1: otherwise, how would he fit down the chimney? Well, he's got magic. Right. Well, he's got magic, but he also has eight tiny reindeer. True. Yeah, you're right.
0: Well, yeah, Yeah, that's open to <laughs> so interpretation, I, I would say. Yeah.
1: I guess so. I don't know what he's bringing in his bag for all the kids if he's a little guy and he's got these eight tiny reindeer. Yeah. Like gift cards. <laughs> I guess Apple, I don't know what. iTunes
0: gift gift card gift cards. Yeah, <laughs> that's,
1: that's all the kids want anymore, anymore. Yeah, they just want gift cards and the cash.
0: Okay, then so we, uh, that was Thomas Nass, Is that the dude?
1: No, Thomas Nass is a cartoonist
0: who oh, drew Santa Claus. Drew it. Claus. Okay, right.
1: Yeah, he drew it. So he created this image. The you know the the, the image of Santa Claus that we yeah. know Rich. in the Civil War.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, now we've we've skipped the whole Saint Nicholas thing which uh, uh what was he turkish or what armenian where was he from
1: yeah modern day turkey
0: yeah and what he saved okay. some kids from drowning is that it some kind of miracle he, with about kids
1: he he uh bought some young women out of <laughs> he bought some young women mar- no, he no. bought them out of arranged marriages <laughs> okay they were going to have these arranged. These these girls that were going to have these arranged. Mar- this is my understanding. I could oh, be wrong. Yeah, if people this can Google it if
0: they really care. That's right. Yeah.
1: No, he he bought them out of their arranged marriages by throwing you know sacks of gold coins up into the window of the houses of the men that that wanted to, to marry these girls or whatever. Really? And so like yeah, that's kind of where we get the the, the sort gold of like coins. Gift giving. Oh. Yeah, the gold. Well, no, I and, thought uh, the
0: gift giving came from the the magi or whoever the the wise men.
1: Oh, that's retrofitted
0: <laughs> well the, yeah, the whole <laughs> birth story's is retrofitted, isn't it? Yeah, 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 of course, okay, but okay, yeah. so he, this is good because I thought he saved some kids from drowning. I don't know where I got that from, I'm thinking probably like an old in search of in nineteen seventy something, <laughs> but um so he well, I mean, he threw gold coins into the window of some dudes who were gonna marry these young girls, so it was like that's a, the way I remember it, yeah. And uh he bought him out of the arranged marriage and yeah. freed them, I guess
1: yeah, and he did a lot of other things uh I don't remember the details, but i I know that he was kind of known for beating up bad folks, so he was kind of like he was kind of like a Bruce Wayne type character, I think mm. down really? there in Asia Minor, yeah, he's beating okay. up the bad guys and he's saving he, was the he kids rich? And- I don't think he was rich, you know, like Aquinas was rich or anybody like that. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. He had means. Yeah. He had some he was
0: means. He's a man of means. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then that's yeah. also why he could give gifts to all the world's children.
1: I guess so. <laughs> he saved up. He managed, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward we've got right. the poem, Thomas Nast. Um, then Coca-Cola. The, that, oh, that was what the next thing I was going to say. Jump forward to Coca-Cola, and that's pretty yeah. much – from. and then I know Curry where it goes. Curry and Ives. Yep. Coca, all right, yep. go ahead. You go ahead and explain the, the Coca-Cola uh, connection.
1: Well, Coca-Cola, I, they're artists. You know, they kind of borrowed this Thomas Nest image because it was sort of catching on in the years after the Civil War and mm-hmm. leading up into the 20th century or whatever. And uh, Christmas was catching on because, like you said, the Victorians were, were all about it. They started this sort of um, syncretic winter holiday or whatever that involved gift giving and what's better for the economy than making everybody buy stuff for everybody else.
0: Of course, yep. In
1: mass yep. once a year, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, so Coca-Cola jumps on it, and their artists, you know, sort of polish up this image of Santa Claus, make him a lot homier, rips your cheek, and yeah, and basically, as far as the imagery goes, the rest is history.
0: And when was that? That was around, like, 1910s, 19-teens?
1: Teens and 20s. Yeah, teens and 20s. Yeah. And
0: then, I would say the next stage after that, and... This is something I, if I was, like, professional, I would have researched and had all the information right in front of me. But it's something like the, uh, actually, the Jewish marketers, the marketing agents of, like, the 40s and 50s and 60s, really made Christmas, like, the American Christmas, where it was the the gift-giving extravaganza. And pretty much they stripped, basically they stripped all religious overtones out of it and made it strictly like a commercial holiday.
1: Well, yeah, and they put Santa Claus directly inside the department store. Yeah.
0: Right. Brilliant. And That's brilliant. A brilliant move, yeah. And uh, I would say I just read the book version of the Charlie Brown Christmas special to my kids today, uh-huh. and uh-huh. that story is still so contemporary... It is – it's amazing. You know, so that was written probably in like 1960s or something like that. Late 50s or early to mid-60s. Early. Yeah. Right. I mean because the the special was based on strips that had been written by Charles Schultz previously. But Uh so, yeah, you've got a kid who feels – who's basically depressed. He's got seasonal affectional disorder. (laughs)
1: about wait, which one are you talking about? You got to be more specific. All those kids were depressed. <laughs> no,
0: no. Well, I mean, no, none of them were depressed like Charlie Brown was depressed. Some of okay, the others. Okay, Charlie I mean, Brown. I all think right. they all had their own disorders, but Charlie Brown was yeah. it was pretty much pure depression, and right. he's bemoaning the commercialization of Christmas, right. and what is the real meaning of Christmas, and he feels unsatisfied. It's like, Dan, yeah. if that is not as fresh as a daisy here in 2017, I don't know what else is. Five years ago. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that, that cartoon would qualify for Social Security right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about the, uh, the Halloween special that they've uh-huh. got. And, uh, you know, every, every year part of the Halloween tradition, of course, is to complain about how the Christmas stuff is out already.
0: Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know? Yeah.
1: And if, you know, in the Charlie Brown Halloween one, he's it's last minute. He hasn't gotten his costume together and he, you know, he ends up with that ridiculous uh, ghost costume. Right. He goes yeah. to the store at the last minute to try to buy a, a Halloween costume, but the store is already full of Christmas stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was like, it's like- right. Again, th- 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 that is part of the tradition now.
0: Yeah, right. Right.
1: <laughs> Uh, complaining about the commercialization of Christmas is part of the Christmas. You're tradition. right.
0: You're right. Yeah. Well, okay, I had a bit of that today. It's it's all good. It's all This is the special yeah. Christmas edition of Who Are These People? You're listening to my interview with Sean Sutherland. Okay, Sean, um let's talk about something else. Who are you? You're from Oklahoma, is that right?
1: No, that's not right. It's but not? But it's a good guess.
0: Mm-mm. They're from the border.
1: Yeah, the border. The the, the hotly contested border <laughs> region of Texas and
0: Oklahoma. Okay. Oh, you're from – where are you from?
1: Well, I went to junior high and high school in a little town called Nacona,
0: Texas. Okay, Nacona. And that's very close to the Oklahoma border, right?
1: Yeah, me and my friends used to go up and, and camp out and, and mess around on the Red River.
0: Okay, well, I, I apologize for insinuating you were born in Oklahoma, but uh, no, that's a, forgive me.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm older, I'm mature, I'm less likely to to want to resort to fisticuffs over <laughs> such a slur, right. <laughs> right? But uh, yeah,
0: yeah. So Nakona, famous for Nakona boots, right?
1: Yeah, Nakona itself, uh, yeah, famous for the boots. Montague County is a little more notorious i think yeah
0: we've not, you know we've had not a montague of, but montague not,
1: oh no i made that mistake <laughs> right. i made that mistake in the sixth grade when i Tell moved me. out there
0: yeah oh you mo- oh where are you from originally where'd you oh you were born well, in taiwan I'm, is that right
1: I, I was born in japan japan okay my, my dad was in the air force
0: mm-hmm.
1: i was born in japan uh when i was a baby toddler we lived in uh Wichita Falls for a year, and then we went back and lived in uh, Taiwan for two years, mm-hmm. and then we came back to Wichita Falls when I uh, started kindergarten. Okay, and so I did uh, elementary school in Wichita Falls. Then we moved out to the middle of nowhere, and that's where I did uh, junior high and high school.
0: Okay, so you what you were in sixth grade when you got to Nakona? Yes, and then you made the mistake that's- of calling it Montague County.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, that was it for me. My my uh
0: They didn't yeah, call my, you my, they didn't call you Romeo after that.
1: <laughs> no. No, I did I did acquire some nicknames pretty quickly. Right. But that was not one of them. Right. But yeah, I pretty much doomed myself the first week. I was I think I was branded for the whole rest of the time I lived out there amongst the amongst the cow folk.
0: Now, Wichita falls is not exactly the bastion of uh of civilization and yet, oh my god, it, w-
1: it was for me, <laughs> really. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh my god, it's the big city, yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: Okay, so you get out to Nakona when you're like in sixth grade, and yeah. uh, uh, well, what what were some of the nicknames that you had?
1: I think first day it was uh, IBM,
0: because this is not-
1: 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, my dad was a, a computer programmer. He got into computers in the late 70s, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, before, you know, when the only place you could buy a computer was at, like, some, some guy's hobbyist shop. Right. Right. I mean, it was, like, nothing. The, the right. Computers, no, you so had to we work kinda, for a
0: big company to have a computer.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: hmm
1: So, uh, you know, he did computers all day. He brought an Apple II home. Wow. And taught me a little bit you mm-hmm. know uh with the computers i get to the school and i'm and i'm in the office and i'm checking in you know doing all the in-processing stuff with mm-hmm. the secretary she's got this apple computer there that she's completely flustered by mm-hmm. and i'm like hey I, I think i can help you with that you know
0: a <laughs> uh-huh.
1: very, very helpful you know 12 year old sean hey i can, <laughs> I can help that right. so i you know I get there and I sit at the computer and start typing stuff up uh, not realizing you know what a hole I was digging myself <laughs> into up right there uh-huh. right and so the kids are walking by and they're looking in like what's what's the new kid doing and uh, yeah basically later that afternoon hey IBM and that was it
0: well at least it didn't have to do something to have to do with a bowel movement which is what I was afraid you were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, no, you're right.
0: You're right. I should count my blessings. It could have been worse. It could have been then, a lot worse. Yeah, but they didn't even yeah. know that they, that was an Apple dude. That's the competitor of IBM. You no Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm I should. Sure. I should have set them straight. Right oh yeah, in there, you would have been like, yeah. hey, look, actually, that was an Apple product. That would have right. that would have done a lot. Yeah, then you would have talked about yeah. digging a hole. I think that would have.
1: Oh yeah, I, I think they'd have just shot me. <laughs> late one night yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can't abide it I just can't abide that kind of thing
0: alright well you made it through I did yeah you survived yep I'm still friends with a lot of those folks that's good any of the ones that called you IBM
1: no 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 not that guy not that guy (laughs) fuck that guy (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) Ah, uh, uh, and so now, so I was joking, I was making fun of you for being Philosopher King, but what is, you're yeah. you're you're a professor now, is that right? Yeah, that's right. What kind of professor?
1: I teach English. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach English at Collin College, up okay. in your old hometown.
0: Okay, now explain to me, things have changed a bit, because I, when I, before I left, it was, there was Collin County Community College.
1: Quad C, they called it. Yeah, the thirteenth yeah. grade, they also
0: called it. That's right. Yeah, yep. and now it's morphed.
1: It is. They, uh, I think they're sort of. I, I think it's probably because the population of of Collin County has grown crazy mm-hmm. in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, it was always booming up there, but I mean, it's just it's just through the roof. Uh, and so they've got a lot more tax money and.
0: Oh really? Okay
1: yeah so they're you know they're pouring it into the to their little local college system
0: and so and now it's like a four-year college uh
1: they are, they are starting to offer four-year degrees there for mm-hmm. you, you know starting small nursing degrees and things like that and
0: it's part of the university of texas system
1: no they're still their own thing
0: Oh, okay they're part of their, their own thing but then you yeah. live in dallas yeah okay and didn't you used to be at like university of texas at dallas or something like that
1: yeah, that's where I got. Uh, that's where I got my bachelor's degree okay. and my master's degree, and mm-hmm. now I'm working on my PhD there. Oh, Okay. Yeah, which which they say is a terrible idea to get uh, all all the degrees at the same institution. Oh, still on the
0: who cares anymore? <laughs> Seriously, nobody. Nope, no Seriously. one cares. They and really uh, don't. um, are you living in downtown Dallas now? Yeah. In a condo or something?
1: No, just an apartment.
0: Where I'm is it? I'm still renting. Oh, okay, I mean, this is a kind of thing like very few people will care about. But uh, where in downtown Dallas are you? Uh,
1: Commerce and Field. So it's um, near the Davis Building, if that means anything well, to you. Well, Commerce and
0: Field. I, I mean, you're right down there, and basically in the heart of downtown Dallas. I mean, there's really the main, oh, yeah. the three main streets. It's like Main Elm and Commerce, right? Or like the three main. That's right thoroughfares and you're on one of them yeah so you're yeah, right how's how's downtown dallas these days i haven't been there in forever
1: it's changed a lot too yeah yeah there you know it's building apartments people are moving in it's becoming a more and more a residential neighborhood mm-hmm. you know if, I, I bet the last time you were here it was probably a ghost town
0: it was still yeah, a nah. ghost town after 5 p.m
1: yeah. Not anymore.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. And so now you're teaching. So what kind of kids are you teaching?
1: Well, it varies. So you know, it's a two year school. Hmm. So it's pretty much you know freshman sophomore level classes. Hmm. And so, you know, the kind of students I get, it's it's actually kind of a, a pretty wide cross section of people. So. You know it's those uh like you said the 13th grade it's the 13th graders Mm -hmm. you know a lot of them um you know we do have a couple of universities nearby and two-year colleges tend to be cheaper right and so i have university students who are coming to to knock out their freshman core classes Mm -hmm. at colin instead of paying more at their university a lot of uh you know non-traditional students the older students who are going back to school and they're you know just kind of like they live here. They're not going to go away to to college. They're not applying to their dream university or whatever. They're going to go to the to the college that's in the town they live in because they have families and jobs or whatever. Right. And a whole lot of uh, international students.
0: Okay. People who come there to go to con- college or they are already living in the area. Both. Okay.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, Colin. Collin County has a has a large uh, population of uh, South Asian um, mm-hmm. Southeast Asian and uh, African immigrants and um, yeah I mean everybody wants to everybody wants to move up everybody wants to you know get a degree pursue a degree and, and work their way into the middle class and right so a lot of those folks too and it's it's great it's such a great job to have
0: and is the English you're teaching like the required like, English one o one kind of stuff or what
1: yeah, yeah basically
0: mm-hmm,
1: yeah, first semester, second semester freshman English, and then some sophomore year lit
0: classes nice yeah and so what do you what do you like as a professor as a in as a in class instructor awesome, I'm sure, but
1: <laughs> um you know here's the thing when i when i started my phd program i thought oh i'll get a phd and i'll go off and get a job at a university and you know uh publish and you know fight for the tenure track and and live the life of the the benighted intellectual and all that Mm -hmm. and i quickly i quickly discovered two things one is that my uh academic capacities are are pretty limited i'm not i'm not a great academic (laughs) i'm just not a great academic and uh and the other one is that uh that that that's actually kind of a a boring life.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind right? of cloistered because, and uh, insular.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, university professors, their jobs are basically to research and publish, to be experts in their field, and then they sort of teach on the side, you know, often begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. you know teaching these classes right and and as brilliant as, as a lot of my professors were they weren't all very good teachers
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know um but when i started the phd program i quit my regular office job and i started adjuncting uh uh teaching part-time at the at, at different colleges around the dfw area mm-hmm. and i just realized then that i that i loved i love being in the classroom i love teaching i love the energy of the of the students and and that uh, you know two-year colleges is, is where you go if what you want to do is teach instead of researching and writing all
0: day. Right. Well, yeah. good. Sounds good to me. Yeah. I'm sure you're a good teacher. What's, well, I enjoy it. What's kind of your curriculum? What kind of... What's the overview for your freshman class?
1: Well, I, I focus it on... Um, argumentation and rhetoric Ah, right?
0: okay and this
1: I mean this let's is let's argue be, uh-huh. yeah this is this is riveting radio right here let's talk about argumentation and rhetoric
0: that is what radio but, uh,
1: is <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah. okay but uh you know I try to I don't know I, I try to impress upon them how basically how good thinking works how good communication works mm-hmm. how to be how to be critical audiences critical listeners mm-hmm. you know that's good yeah because you know in the world we live in now media drenched uh the the, the political environment and all of that stuff you know there's just so much noise being made
0: exactly sphere yeah. yeah
1: so i sort of try to try to take it upon myself to try to educate people a little bit about how to discern you know information from the noise you know how to how to get the signal out of the noise very you know, good yeah alright so yeah yeah
0: and you said you have a lot of Southeast Asians um from what countries are your students that are Southeast Asian uh
1: yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of Vietnamese students
0: mm-hmm. uh Korean okay uh
1: occasionally uh Cambodian students mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh, and Chinese, that's not exactly Southeast Asia. No, but that's North Asia. A lot of Chinese. Sure, yeah.
0: That's okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I was wondering, since I'm here. Yeah. But uh, any I haven't ind-
1: met a lot of Singaporeans.
0: No, I don't think Singaporeans would be going to a two year <laughs> school in Collin County. Not not in droves. I don't think so. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, yeah. I was curious if the, if you had any like Malaysians or Indonesians in your class.
1: No, yeah. not yet. Not yet. Now do you, do you remember when we were at Midwestern State mm-hmm. University? Yes. Uh that we did there were a lot of uh Malaysian students there at the
0: time. I do remember. And in yeah. fact, I now having been here in the neighbor of Malaysia for so many years and having been to Malaysia many times, I actually I feel I have a regret that I did not reach out to those Malaysian nursing students more and stand up for them when they were being, like, ridiculed by all the mouth breathers there that would call them Smurfs. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They called all the Malaysian nursing students Smurfs at uh, Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls. Texas. Texas, yeah. (laughs) So I feel bad about that because now now i have an i have a really good idea of who those women are you know and most right. mostly they were women now i know yeah. exactly the kind of people they are because i meet them over here and i know right. you know what they were doing over there and at the time they were just they were kind of separated from the rest of the student body but it was a pretty large percentage of malaysian nursing students
1: yeah well you know and uh I, I think back, I think back to, to those days, you know, the early days, you know, first getting out of high school, getting over to college in the big bustling metropolis of Wichita Falls. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, as, as sort of, you know, rebellious and progressive as I felt, as, as uh, I guess our circle of friends, I mean, that was kind of our whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, we were still in a lot of ways products of our environment of course right it you know to say that you're the most progressive you know uh, a group of uh, students at midwestern state university in 1988 that's nice but mm-hmm. uh you know it's not saying a whole lot in the grander scheme
0: no well i mean but, it, was uh, a, it was not it was not a high bar to pass um, <laughs> exactly although it did take a certain amount of i mean it was not easy either you uh you were opening yourself up to a certain amount of ridicule and, uh, persecution, not really serious persecution, but, uh, maybe, uh, uh, I don't know, resistance.
1: Resistance. Yeah. I, um, you know, I got a, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, vague threats of physical violence even there, you know, in the dorms, uh, but, but nothing, nothing you're right nothing terrible but just right. enough to to know that you you're an outsider you know you're not, you don't really belong here which you know which, which we didn't and uh, <laughs> we all left
0: yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you joined the army for a while right I did yeah and how many years were we in the army
1: well I was I was active duty for six years
0: wow I didn't know it was that long yeah,
1: I was a reservist for 2 years. Okay. I was a a National Guardsman for a year after I got out. Mm-hmm. And and then I was a um I was a, a civilian contractor for a year. So I covered like wow. all of the possible bases you can over the mm-hmm. course of 10 years.
0: And how was your active duty? What was that like?
1: Well, believe it or not, uh, the job I picked was kind of a, a high tech nerdy job
0: mm-hmm. i don't believe it
1: <laughs> you don't believe it. it It was computers go figure mm-hmm. but uh no it was it was it was great um, you know you ask anybody who's been in the military uh, what the best part was, and they'll say they're friends
0: mm-hmm.
1: and of course that's that's true
0: okay you know, it's
1: it's the people one one of the great things about the about the military. Uh, especially in the '90s, before 9/11, yeah. Because i I got out. I got out like six weeks after 9/11.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: So yeah. I, I'm. I'm. That was speaking,
0: a good time to get out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of speaking to the salad days, yes. You know of the of the Clinton administration or the whatever, Pax right?
0: Americana, whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. When yeah, you know, and it's funny in those days, uh, war seemed inconceivable. Yeah. To me, it's <laughs> like, I remember those heck? days. Yeah, who the heck are we gonna go to war with? How could there possibly be another war? Well, they thought of they thought of somebody. Right. But um no, it was great. So one of the great things about the military is that it provides you the, the opportunity or rather rather, I mean it places you in the situation to meet and get to know people that you would never have met or gotten to know otherwise. Mhm. The kinds of people you would never have gotten to know otherwise. Like who? You know, it's, uh, like, um, oh, you know, I can't remember his real name, but we called him baby Huey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good well, start. He, call, I can- he called him, he called himself baby Huey and we okay. just oh, well, kind of followed along, right? Yeah.
0: But Did he uh, looked like, he was, was he a big guy?
1: He was, he was <laughs> a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, he was, uh, he was from Miami mm-hmm. and he joined the, he had joined the army to get away from the gangs. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean that that was his that was his ticket out. Mm-hmm. You know, he he grew up in this neighborhood. That's the pre, you know the prevailing social atmosphere in his neighborhood, and he thought you know this you know and he had been involved. You know, he had been in a gang, of course. You yeah. know, you live in a neighborhood like that. That's the way that's the way it is. But he joined the army. You know, he managed to, to to get in, and and that was his ticket out. So interesting. You know, yeah. So he still you know he still had a lot of that culture, and a lot of those ideas, a lot of those values, whatever. Uh, but he was also somebody who, you know, had a bigger picture on Mm -hmm. life, obviously. Right. So, you know, guy like that, um, you know, uh, guys from, uh, you know, backwoods, Mississippi and Alabama, you know, these Southern fried crackers, <laughs> who, right? You know, yeah. and, I, and I say that with love. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I could hear the love. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, the kind of people who at first pass, I'd be like, man, I'm never going to talk to that guy, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, when an asshole or whatever, but, you know, you, you get to know people and you see the person underneath all of that stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you can't, you can't forget or forgive, you know, their bad qualities, but, you you realize that there's more to people than just their negative stereotypical qualities, obviously. Right. It's a no-brainer. But it, it's one thing to sort of know that intellectually, and it's another thing to live it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is which is one of the things that you that you get with the military. Um, and not only people from all over America, uh, but uh, people from all over the world. I don't know how it is now, but at the time, uh, the U.S. military would, would uh, take foreign nationals mm-hmm. as 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 a route toward citizenship
0: yeah right yeah I yeah think they so i do ser- that at least they had been doing that as of fairly recently because i've seen it in the news not you know f- not infrequently
1: okay so yeah i don't yeah there's there's no telling what's what's going to happen under the current environment but
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah so uh guys from all over africa all over South America um australian french
0: australians caribbean why would an australian come join the u.s army they've got their own army that's pretty much the same (laughs) fights uh, the same wars (laughs) i don't know
1: (laughs) i don't know she uh she was an mp okay and so maybe she had this sort of uh i don't know hollywood uh american cop fantasy or something like that you know Mm -hmm. because because uh, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of people who want to eventually become police officers will join the military and become MPs in the military because they get all this free training and stuff.
0: And yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. That's I mean, interesting.
1: I, yeah. I know that that was kind of strange. You know, like. All right.
0: Yeah. Well, teach his own.
1: Yeah, I suppose.
0: So what else is going on, Sean? What's What's your take on What's your read on the temperature? of American culture right now. Where are we? I don't know where we are.
1: <laughs> I think
0: we're Where in is a, America right now? All right. You knew this question this, was coming.
1: <laughs> I have a very pessimistic answer.
0: Alright. I'm ready
1: to hear it. But I I think that we're in uh something of like a a, a death wish downward <laughs> spiral. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I, I say that because of the kinds of, uh, pop culture things that are really, really popular. Okay. Right. So, um, Walking Dead, for example, is a sort of the epitome of this post-apocalyptic zombie landscape.
0: hmm
1: And it, and it's this sort of, uh, in a way it's this kind of Wild West fantasy. Mm-hmm right but it's but it's zombies instead of you know the old you know black and white indians yeah. you know from, from the old western movies or whatever okay but but the whole thing is predicated on this on this collapse of organized society right right and that's just one example i mean there's yeah. there's a whole slew of other of other possible examples you know so our culture seems to be fascinated by this idea of social collapse
0: yes okay and
1: And I think that this fascination sort of tends to precipitate
0: that kind of thing. An actual social collapse?
1: Of some kind.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, that's interesting. And I, um, what, okay, before I give my opinion, what, besides The Walking Dead, what other popular pop culture things are you thinking of that that bolster your argument?
1: Well, uh, the Trump. Presidency, I think, okay. is another great example. All right. Right? I, I
0: don't know if I'd call him pop culture at this point, but uh, he came from pop culture. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, no, he's – I, I mean, think
1: he's the pop pop culture candidate.
0: Okay, all right. There's a there's an argument to be made there. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, anything else before I go back to the Walking Dead? Because I do want to talk about the Walking Dead briefly.
1: Well, then there's this um, this sort of uh, resurgent. Um, you know the neo-Nazi the, the yeah. white supremacist movement that it it's caught a lot of people <clears throat> by surprise
0: mm-hmm.
1: because the whole thing is basically predicated on uh, you know Richard Spencer and all those guys their, their whole thing is uh, they, want, they basically want to withdraw from the American experiment
0: yes and yeah. Richard Spencer is from right there in Dallas
1: yeah he's one of our own and we're so
0: proud isn't he great Yeah, local boy done good. Yeah, you know, you've got (laughs) Richard Spencer, you've got Lance Armstrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Oh, well. Okay, so Walking Dead, um, totally. I mean, that, not just Walking Dead, but in general, most zombie apocalyptic films, they are about the collapse of society. And there's almost even a kind of rush, I think, that people get from... Thinking like okay, you know the frustration with the with the hypocrisies of society and how things don't work the way they should. So there's sort of a fant, a perverse fantasy of like, fuck it all, and we'll start over. You know, we'll become a band of of scavenging, uh, you know, um, survivors. You know that kind of thing. So yeah, we're going to
1: go back to natural law. Yeah,
0: natural law, and that and that yeah. pervasive, not just Walking Dead, but um, other v- zombie films as well. Uh, sure, but. Uh, Walking Dead. I was a huge fan of Walking Dead the first several seasons. I like it. The very first episode just hooked me, you know, and like I was into it. Oh. And yeah. then I got to, well, I got to the season where the cliffhanger was, where they introduced that new character with the with the baseball bat with all the spikes, whatever his name was. Egan. Uh, Egan. Yeah. So that season finale, I was like, dude, I'm done. I'm like, I'm not going to watch anymore. Okay, I get it. Your point is The Walking Dead is that the living are the walking dead. The people who are the survivors have lost their soul. They're nothing but animals, and there's no more humanity left, and it's just all a horrible nightmare situation. And if I want to watch that, I'll watch the news. I don't want my fiction to be that bleak. I was like, I just don't need it. I can imagine it myself. I can see it in Syria, in Yemen, in all these places where situations really are horrible, I don't want to watch my favorite popcorn zombie drama. You know, I want my popcorn zombie drama to have some sort of uh chance of redemption at the end. You know, some sort of chance that that they will find a cure that they that that they will somehow survive. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm not going to watch anymore it's over and I haven't and I don't, I've, it's the walking dead is dead to me. Uh
1: Yeah. I hear that. Mm -hmm. I still watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I still watch it. And, and now it's, it's it's a part of the reason why I still watch it is this sort of, uh, not exactly a horrified fascination, but this sort of, you know, this sort of, I guess like a cultural critical eye, you Mm -hmm. know, I watch it, uh, not necessarily because it's hugely entertaining because it's it's just not anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, but because I'm trying to figure out what does this mean?
0: Yeah, I don't think it means yeah. much anymore. I mean, it, I think if the point is that the survivors of The Walking Dead, well, I got it. I got the point. And, yeah, and it's
1: funny that you say that because uh, the main character, Rick, mm-hmm. actually explicitly says that in the course of a conversation this season.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, oh, really. Yeah, okay. just in case
1: the audience hadn't, it together, <laughs> hadn't he, picked he it up. Out, I, he comes out and tells us, frankly, yeah, I get it now. We're the walking dead.
0: Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> okay, well, I got it a couple, several episodes early then, I guess, so I saved I myself so. some trouble. And yeah. uh, um, uh, one more thing. Okay, another thing, my Hollywood critique of it is um, eventually the show became – do you remember in the 70s? like your standard 70s, like cop drama or whatever, um, yeah. like hour-long cop show in the, or maybe even like the late 60s, where there were always these bad guys who could be felled like with one punch from the hero, yeah. you know, like one right. punch and they're out. Well, that yeah. that's kind of like how the zombies eventually became, you know, like they were almost just this prop in the background that, okay, you know that the heroes are going to be able to take them out with like one swing of their club or whatever and they're just there right. they're just you know and you know you've got the casting like alright we need like four zombies in this scene and you know uh-huh. uh, the hero's gonna come in and you're gonna come here and knock them out and then the zombie's gonna fall down and it just, it just felt the same kind of cheesy way to me
1: yeah they kind of overplayed their hand with the zombies
0: yeah cause another yeah. okay now I'm gonna put my nerd hat on and be like alright because if you have the, the timeline of the timeline of how are these zombies perpetuating themselves? Like it doesn't make sense after, after a certain amount of time, there wouldn't be so many zombies left unless everyone's becoming zombies, you know? Right. Because the zombies eventually sort of decay and fall apart. Um, Yeah. And um, like in the, in the first few seasons, it makes sense that there's tons of zombies everywhere. But then as like the survivors learn to like kind of, Prevent uh, the spread of zombieism you there would there would be a a, um, a drop off of zombie population and yet exactly and yet they still timeline wise it doesn't matter. now there's just these zombies whenever it's convenient for the plot, there's a zombie can appear right yeah,
1: yeah uh, yeah, whenever it's convenient for the plot, um, uh, it's gonna be one zombie <laughs> that's gonna get somehow it's gonna sneak up on the person yeah. <laughs> And they right. just be like immediately right. right on top of them. Yeah. You know, they're they're just, gonna, they, yeah, they can walk through a swat and, and just like chop them down left and right. You know, a dozen zombies dead. Right. But then that one magic zombie just teleports in right behind.
0: Well, yeah, the and, and the way they do it is when you cut to a close up, well, then the zombie comes in on the side of the frame <laughs> Right. and then all of a sudden he's there. That's all you need to do. Right. Yeah. <sighs> OK, that's good. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad I got that off my chest.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's that. That's that's such an astute observation because where are all these, where are all these fresh corpses coming from? Yeah. They should all just be desiccated skeletons by now.
0: Yeah, you know. Now another film that's come to mind a lot in these days is that film. I, I think it's called Children of Men. Have you ever seen that? I did see it. Yeah, that's the one with like uh, um, Michael Caine and uh, Clive Owen. Clive, yeah about the breakdown of society when people can stop people stop having children right that film seems so realistic to me like like a very realistic glimpse into a future dystopia
1: yeah and and that's part of that's part of what made it so good it was like terrifyingly plausible
0: yeah very plausible because they made all the fucked up misery they portrayed it in a boring like matter of fact way like, shit, you know, like, you step in dog poop on your way to work. That's a normal blase thing. But in yeah. that in that reality, it's like, oh, you just, you walk by a bunch of people being rounded up and put in buses and sent off to some camp while you're on your way right. to your lousy job, you know. And then there's a there's a terrorist bombing while you're trying to buy your cough syrup or whatever in the morning, you know. It's like so... Yeah the banality of evil kind of trope, but they did it so well. It it seemed so uh, plausible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, that's something that a lot of uh, movies and TV shows are sort of catching on to this idea of how they portray violence and terrible things, you know, because traditionally, you know, it's, it's, this big, it's a big, Production, you know, you know the, you know that famous scene from French Connection where he gets shot and his arms just spray out, you know, uh, before he falls down the stairs or whatever, you know. Okay. This idea, you know, this idea that you know when somebody gets shot, you know, it's this big. It's a big production. uh, Yeah.
0: It's a big. Yeah. yeah. This huge death
1: scene, or right. If the car goes off the cliff, you know, of course it has to explode. Yeah. Right. You know, but but in reality, you know, uh, when somebody gets shot, they just slump over. Yeah it's very, It's a very undramatic thing when a car mm-hmm. goes off a cliff, it just hits a rock and stops you know it's right very undramatic and yes and somehow the portrayal of of violence and horrible things in this sort of downplayed under dramatized ways is even more affecting right
0: so um what what current uh films or TV shows are you thinking of that that have latched onto that idea?
1: Well, I just got through binging Godless on uh Netflix. Oh, I
0: haven't watched that yet.
1: Yeah, so it's another one of those brilliant sort of algorithmic Netflix shows. Okay. You know, they, they figure out what their viewers want. And right, and then they give it together to them. This, and of course it's brilliant. It's yeah. good, you know, uh-huh. It's really because they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, So it's a Western. It's kind of a, a fantasy in a way. You know, it's a situation that probably wouldn't or couldn't happen. But anyway, they, they do it. They, they they take that kind of approach to, mm-hmm. to the violence and terrible right. things. Uh, Throughout the series, and uh, yeah, it just somehow makes it makes it even more worse. Yeah, makes it worse, more poignant.
0: Amen to that.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was uh also.
1: (laughs) I want to talk about this. uh, The the last Jedi.
0: Okay, please do. Right. Please. No spoilers. No. No spoilers. Right. right, Sure. You can spoil it for (laughs) me.
1: But um. You know a lot of people are complaining about it because it departs from the sort of traditional expectation of the series you know this this idea of the skywalker family as being central to the fate of the galaxy and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: power centralized you know with the sith and the jedi and all this all this sort of dramatic turns you know of the the series and this latest movie you know departs from all that it's it 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 presents the forces this sort of decentralized power it it knocks the it knocks the traditional hero sort of off their throne and 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 expands the drama out to uh all kinds of characters that in the previous movies would have been completely ancillary characters okay, you
0: know, okay. mechanics well, well, tell me all right so yeah. i saw the headlines that Mark Hamill says this is not his Luke Skywalker in this movie. Well, I don't
1: blame him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But um, did you like the movie or not? I loved it. You did? Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, What about the one right before it? The, uh, what was that one called?
1: Rogue One, the one from last Christmas?
0: I guess so. Wait, was there one before that too? And then there was The Force Awakens. Oh, The Force Awakens. Okay. I saw The Force Awakens. And I was like, give me a fucking break. This is just a replay of the very first Star Wars. They just recast all the roles, and it's the same yeah. drama. And it really was like, uh, why am I watching this? That was my... Yeah. And I watched it on a plane. And when you're on a plane, and the, even the movie on the plane doesn't satisfy you, you know I, yeah. you know, it's not a good movie. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, okay. But so the, the Last Jedi... That was called The Last Jedi. All right, so... Yeah. Um do you think it makes some sort of larger point that people should uh, yeah cause one thing I, before you say that I'll just say I find it interesting that over the past 15 years or so so many people seem to like identify with stormtroopers where yes. I remember when they were like the most evil thing they were right up there with you know uh, with Nazis or whatever, uh, bringing that right. b- back around, you know, where like no one would want to identify with a stormtrooper, and yet the right. imagery and like, I don't know if it's just being honest that yes, America is the dark empire, and you know, people are like, well, stormtroopers gotta eat too, you know, they're just following orders, um, right? Or if it's or if they're not thinking that far and they just like the the look, I don't know. But why why are stormtroopers so Viewed so positively these days.
1: I, I think it is this sort of resurgent fascist impulse in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on on Reddit, there's this um, – there's a subreddit, which is – it's half joke and half serious. It's called Empire Did Nothing Wrong. <laughs> He's never really – right? Okay. Yeah. I Empire guess, Did Nothing Wrong. Uh-huh. And, and it's and, – and the, and the joke is yeah. that it's a reference to – Hitler did nothing wrong
0: mm, okay
1: right which is this argument that a lot of the right obviously that a lot of the ultra right wing people are you know this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sort of, you know this 70 years later suddenly we have a bunch of Hitler apologists all over the place
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but but you've got this group of people who are, who are sort of half tongue in cheek I think taking that idea applying it to the Star Wars universe and yeah like you said they're very pro empire and it's kind of a joke but kind of not a joke mm-hmm and so I've noticed that too. This this weird sort of uh, sympathy in uh, in popular culture toward the empire, yeah, as if empire are the good guys somehow. Right. And I think you're right. I think I think it touches on this sort of um, growing awareness of, of the American empire in the real world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does uh, Last Jedi do anything to like assuage that, or is it pretty much pro empire uh, propaganda? Um or does it take everything that, at arm's length and it's like t- doesn't try and take a, a side what it what it does
1: um I mean I mean the it, you know it's the first order now it's not the empire anymore they're calling it the first order okay it's this, it's a sort of resurgence of centralized power that emerges after the collapse of the old empire what okay it, but they're the same thing. stormtroopers and all of that stuff right um, so it doesn't try to portray them in any kind of a sympathetic light. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still there's still the the un you know the unreconstructed villains mm-hmm. you know um, the 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 villain of the of the series though Kylo Ren mm-hmm. is portrayed very sympathetically. Okay, so we see this sort of moral struggle that goes on, and it only intensifies if you remember from the from what you watched of the of the first movie you know he was this more conflicted character mm-hmm. well it just you know it just doubles down in this movie he's even more conflicted there's and it, and it really plays on on the sympathies of the audience because you're sort of tempted to 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 say oh let's give this guy a chance mm-hmm. you know despite the fact that you know that he's evil he blew up planets he's yeah slaughtering people left and right you know but you see him emoting and you think oh i want to give this guy a chance mm-hmm. right because well that's, that's how, human nature
0: that, that's that we, yeah and that and that go ahead no i was just i was saying i mean that's human nature and then i'm just was making noises sorry
1: <laughs> okay but uh yeah it is it's it's human nature we're naturally empathetic creatures but it's also how i, I think a lot of ways you know you know, dictators and bad people rise to power.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one way. Well, they certainly, I mean, uh, you want to talk about how the dictators rise to power? You want to (laughs) switch gears there? Um, interesting time. Uh, Mugabe just stepped down or was like forced out after how many years? Um, it's interesting time for dictators these days. Um, or should well, we continue in fantasy land?
1: Well, let
0: me just say one what more thing. What do you feel like? Okay, go ahead.
1: Before we move on, so it's this nice, sympathetic Kylo Ren character that you're tempted to feel to feel sorry for, almost root for, mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time, the movie actually kind of throws stones at the Resistance and kind of oh. implies oh. a sort of moral equivalence between the Resistance and the Empire. And
0: wait. You mean – you're talking about the resistance to Trump or the – No, the
1: resistance in the Star Wars galaxy. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And but so in, the Star,
0: it, in Star Wars, are they calling it hashtag resistance or not? I don't think so. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. They, they've evolved beyond Twitter, yeah. I think. Yeah. but okay. uh, No, I mean the, the interesting thing about the movie is that it, is that it breaks down those, those dichotomies of good versus evil – and right versus wrong and the jedi versus the sith it breaks all of that down and sort of spreads out the the idea of morality access to the force in this much more uh, uh democratic populist way
0: hmm. okay. which i
1: think is 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 a big part of what's got a lot of people upset oh okay they want they, they want to have this stark black and white story
0: yeah of just good the versus hero people the... yeah. Well, that's interesting yeah and uh um Speaking of like Twitter and hashtags and all that, um, just some more of like pointing out absurdities. Uh, and to me, I, when I say the first Star Wars, I talk about the first one I saw, which is the original 1977 Star Wars. I don't know yeah. if people still call that the first Star Wars or not, but to me, that's the first Star Wars. And I think it's hilarious watching back, like watching it back now, you're like, fuck, they didn't have the internet in this star Wars galaxy. It's like, you've got this whole plot point around this data that was stolen. And it was like stolen in like basically on the equivalent of like a thumb drive where, you know, now here we are, however many years later in our world and data is stolen routinely everywhere all the time, remotely. (laughs) There's right. no need yeah. to send a droid to like steal some data or something, you know. Right. And and the no, idea that
1: have to die for this.
0: Yeah. And the idea that like a Death Star like this, that, like their information system would be completely closed, and you would have to penetrate it physically to get the information out of it, is so yeah. laughably old-fashioned. Um, it it's really hard. It's <laughs> it's hard to stomach in a way. It's so right. outdated. Uh, so quickly. Yeah.
1: And uh you know, you would think that uh Ben Kenobi would call ahead to Alderaan. Yeah. You no, know? there's so
0: many there's so many plot holes in it like looking <laughs> yeah. at it critically. That f- that film is so full of plot holes. It's it is laughable. Um Yeah. You know, but it was a different time. Uh it was a, it was a much different time to where even uh back then if you wanted to watch a film again, you had to go buy another ticket and go sit in the theater again, you know? You couldn't stop and rewind and check out all the details that you missed. Um, Right. So, like, you know, in that respect, when you're watching a movie wide-eyed in the theater, you can... A lot of plot holes can be patched over with nice music and transitions. um, And you may never think of them again. But, of course, when you watch it 20 times or 300 times... You know, it's really easy to break it down.
1: Yeah. Well, you know the thing about that original movie, which to me is, it's called Star Wars. The movie is called Star Wars. People nowadays they call it Episode Four: A New Hope, and that drives me insane. It's right. Star Wars. It's yeah. Star Wars. When I hit the theaters,
0: right. The poster said Star Wars. I was there. It said Star <laughs> Wars. The right. marquee said Star Wars. That's
1: right. I saw it at Psych <laughs> Center Mall in Wichita Falls, oh, Texas, in 1977. Yeah. Right. I know. But um, uh, but no uh, when Lucas when Lucas wrote it when he wrote the script he he uh, he basically wrote it on uh, Joseph Campbell's hero journey template right
0: yes so, and in that regard it is true it holds up there is a hero's journey for Luke for sure yeah
1: right so what what I mean is you know he's he's already got you know he's got this template this like 12 point plot system already mm-hmm. worked out you know mm-hmm. by by Campbell. yeah and he's and he's basically shoehorning in his you know universe trying to trying to yeah. fit it into his universe right so of course there's going to be huge plot holes because yeah. it's not supposed to be a real story it's just a retelling of a mythical story yeah. I yeah
0: guess. Of gilgamesh or whatever it is
1: yeah basically
0: yeah yeah okay good good we've settled that check that off we've yeah no one else needs to discuss Star Wars anymore we've no
1: settled once and we've all. settled it yep
0: okay moving on uh-huh. so uh, the road to dictatorship how do you feel about that okay um, I'll change the subject that's too easy um, uh. what is the feeling you get from your students who are the younger ones the ones who are like actually college aged what's the vibe you get off them
1: regarding politically politically, yeah yeah um i talk about politics um it's hard not to when you're Mm. when your whole thing is rhetoric and argumentation Mm -hmm. right politics falls right into that and um you know when i when i talk about politics i i I, using real world examples i talk about trump a lot Mm -hmm. but i always you know i go through pains to offer disclaimers you know i'll tell them i'm not I'm not picking a side politically here. That's not what this is about. I'm analyzing his messaging, his rhetoric, how he puts it together, and mm-hmm. you know, have a laugh and I just say, you know, <laughs> regardless of how you feel politically, Trump is great. You know, sourcing for this kind of stuff. You know, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. He's a masterclass yeah, in, uh, in rhetoric. Oh, that's for sure. Oh, he's
1: yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but um, a savant. Yeah, that's true. But uh,
0: we will never know.
1: Yeah, so you know, I open up with these with these disclaimers and these caveats because, uh, despite what a lot of people seem to think, you know, college professors are not trying to push political or ideological agendas onto their students. You know, we're right. trying to do the opposite. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, what I've noticed is that uh, the students, you know, think I, you know, sometimes they think I protest too much. You know, or or they're very primed to really get into a nice critical conversation.
0: Okay, so they're ready it, you know, to think critically
1: about trump
0: okay yeah <laughs>
1: right so yeah i mean they're 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 politically savvy enough mm-hmm. to recognize this this kind of uh you know uh corrosive bullshit when they see it okay and, and i and i i soft sell it in the classroom but um yeah you know if, if you want me to take their political temperature it's for the most part um very much very much toward the left as one might expect from uh young people i guess but maybe it's not just a left thing maybe it's just like this this completely sort of critical stance on everything because the 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 kids that are that are coming to my classes now you know 17 18 19 20 Mm -hmm. they're not even really millennials anymore
0: no they're millennials are old already yeah they're in their 30s they're getting into their 30s by now yeah these are the i forget what they call them but they're digital natives that's one thing about them um right and yeah, they're like called delennials or zigzennials or some kind of nonsense.
1: Yeah, it is nonsense. That whole That whole model, I think is starting to fall apart anyway. yeah it,
0: it is. It's a, it's a marketing ploy more than more than anything else.
1: so I, I, I think of them as being more like more like uh, older gen X or, or that you know that 10 years of people who came between the boomers and the genics you know those kids who grew up in the 70s you know my older brother mm-hmm. and sisters mm-hmm. you know who didn't who didn't really fit into either or generation right they're just this sort of yeah they're just sort of there. you know sandwiched between these you know uh you know marketable generations mm-hmm. uh who, who just who are just watching and seeing it and realizing well this is all a bunch of nonsense uh I've got work to do you know I'm gonna go hmm, okay I'm gonna go hang out with my friends we're gonna play video games I'm, I'm gonna go to work and you know whatever and not feeling that same kind of of uh outrage that that impulse to act that the that the millennials are kind of known for
0: hmm okay so they're fairly practical and over it yeah they're like over yeah. it all already yeah
1: yeah and I think about that great line from uh, from the movie Slacker. you remember that?
0: Yes, of course.
1: Uh, where the guy picks the card the oblique strategies card and his card says, uh, withdrawing in disgust is not the same thing as apathy. <laughs> right. And that sort of became the rallying cry for Gen X and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I see. That's kind of what I see with this with the with the the late teenagers, the early twenty uh, somethings mm-hmm. nowadays. You know, they're, they're, it's not that they don't care. It's just that they realize that, uh, or they, or they believe, at any rate, that that the system, the corridors of power, are, are, you know, not fruitful avenues for any sort of meaningful change or exploration in the world. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And I think they're inventing their own. Okay. I, I, I think that. Uh, I think that. Uh, Gen Xers, you know, eventually and, and even the millennials, I think that we're going to wake up one day, you know, 10, 20 years from now and realize that the younger generations have created back channels of power that we didn't even see.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You got any we're examples? Still thinking, um, like peer-to-peer strategies and that kind of stuff? Um, mostly anything digitally, like they're networking themselves or what do you mean?
1: I, I, I definitely think that's going to happen. Um, we, you know with this latest uh, you know ruling by the fcc you know killing net neutrality yep i th- i think you know i think the internet is is going to go you know 100% corporate mhm and uh, yeah i think the, i think the 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 savvy younger generation and a few a few older people uh, they're already talking about creating a, a shadow internet yeah, shadow, you know, based on peer-to-peer peer yeah.
0: kind of to peer yeah yeah i yeah i'm kind of on the same wavelength there I'm upset with the FCC ruling and I think it's a bad decision and I think it will be pretty much seen as a bad decision eventually. Yeah. But I am not so I'm not so scared that it's the end of everything as we know it because I do think right. there's there's enough other forces out there that are equally as powerful that will could somehow get around it, you know. Right. It, it's just there. It's just like every time you hear something bad about the huge companies like Google or Facebook or Apple. Well, in a way, I'm just glad that there's not just one. You know, like some uh-huh. in some ways, Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook. Between the four of them, they do provide a few checks and balances on each other. You know, yeah. and right. like if the internet becomes completely tied up and you have to it's pay to play everything you've got to pay through comcast or whoever i think people will technologically find other ways around it and i don't i think it'd be much better if you kept the hard-earned uh commons open you know that were paid for by the taxpayer that were invented by you know uh, U.S. government scientists. It would be great if that would be open for everybody, and it'd probably be much more productive. But I do think that somehow people will get around it. You know, I don't think if people are just going to roll over and be like, "Well, that's it, no more internet." You know?
1: Yeah, I, it's not. It's not the uh, Armageddon of the internet. I agree with that. But I, I think about. I think about the um, Dallas North Tollway. Yeah. Here in, here, the FW, okay. Right? So you know the idea was oh we're going to build this this big freeway uh, uh, parallel to central it's going to uh, you know offer some overflow mm-hmm. traffic it's going to improve the traffic flow north to south whatever mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're going to contract it out private company's going to build it and we're going to allow you know the city this is the city down talking and we're going to allow them to charge a toll so that they can recoup their losses mm-hmm. and make a reasonable handsome profit but mm-hmm. eventually we're going to open this road up it's not going to be a toll road anymore it's going to be a free highway once this once this company has recouped their their investment and made some money well it's not
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's it's still a paid road it's
0: still 30 years later yeah
1: yeah yeah because they you know they realized well i mean if people are willing to pay then why stop asking them to pay yeah they'll just keep paying and and we do and
0: but then that money's all going to private companies right it's not going to the city of dallas or are they getting a piece of it
1: know. they they might be getting a piece of it but uh, no i mean it's yeah yeah it's it's a, it's a semi private entity that that rakes in all this money it's it's this nice little combination between government and you know contract you know corporate contracting or whatever
0: mhm yeah i forgot about that dallas north Tollway. and i forgot that yeah they did say that at the beginning right that it was eventually going to be opened up and be uh free Highway, yeah. Oh, now, what well what they did oh, is well. they
1: is they figured out how to make it uh, a friendlier experience, and so they closed all the toll booths and uh, they uh, issued people these uh, you know these little RF
0: cards. Y- yeah. You know? So
1: you drive past the sensor, and it automatically generates a charge in your invisible right. internet account, and you never see the money, and you never give it to anybody, and you never you just you just driving, and the money is just ticking away in the background.
0: Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't pay the stormtroopers will come out. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> yeah.
0: But their their aim is horrible so don't worry. That's
1: yeah. Yeah. You're safe.
0: <sighs> well, thanks Sean. I th- I would love sure. to keep talking to you, but I I think um this is probably a good chunk right here. Yeah. I don't want to get into a second hours really, not not too much. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you don't not, want to talk this, about more. Well, maybe you in a second to- a second interview, you know, like uh, I think I'll, we, we could, can. Get, we could get what? Sorry. <laughs>
1: so we could go even darker.
0: We could, yeah, but it is Christmas yeah. after
1: all, so you know.
0: It is, yeah. Let me play some Christmas music again here. Okay, yeah. So it is Christmas. Um nice warm feeling are you going to spend any time with family
1: yes driving over on Christmas Eve to the other side of Fort Worth
0: who you got over there parents I've
1: got sister uh, brother my sister lives there with her family and my mother is down visiting from her home in uh, Virginia oh wow small scale family thing
0: well that's nice yeah Merry Christmas to you and yours Back at you. And you gonna like do anything like watch football or anything or have? Uh, um, what's the most American thing you're gonna do
1: on Christmas? Yeah. Uh, we'll probably be watching football at the house. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah.
0: That's I have good. no idea
1: who's playing or who plays for what or. But I'll watch it because it's a tradition. Yeah. It's a it's part of the bourgeois fantasy.
0: Exactly, man. The fantasy yeah. of lights. That's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep watch millionaires pummel each other for my entertainment
0: yeah that's yeah. you know yeah. hey at least they're not at least they're not poverty stricken that's right <laughs> they're not college players <laughs> oh, although <laughs> I would I would hardly call them poverty stricken either but yeah but you know yeah. who needs a brain really <laughs> it's overrated <laughs> it's no, o-
1: not when you can trade it not when you can trade it for millions of dollars
0: <laughs> right I'd be tempted sure you know okay well thanks sean all right this has been great
1: yeah it has been thanks
0: okay well have a merry christmas and a happy new year and i'll talk to you soon
1: all right take it easy okay
0: bye sean bye someone else's memories by revolution void and calm the fuck down by broke for free are used under a creative commons attribution license